Good morning, Parker Ford Church, friends, family. Great to have you with us this morning. My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. And once again, it's great to have you with us. Today, we're trying something a little bit new. As we approach the cold months, I've been thinking through different ways of engaging church at home and how to resource our families Uh, with material and teachings that is helpful for a a household setting. So today's format is going to be a little bit different than the live streams that we have been uh, broadcasting into our homes in recent months. And this is just sort of a a trial run to see how this works for our body. So I hope that you feel a little bit uh, creative and adventurous this morning and that you'll engage with us. So as we start, what I'd like to do is invite you to stand. If you're physically able, um, as a family, or maybe you're by yourself, just go ahead and stand. And I want you to read out loud with me the first three verses of Psalm 136. And then a little bit later, we'll be reading the, the last couple verses in the psalm. This is the psalm that says, his faithful love endures forever over and over again. So let's read it together. This is uh, Psalm 136, starting in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. God, we give thanks to you this morning for your steadfast love endures forever. You can be seated. All right, what we're going to do throughout the video is I'm going to invite you at different times to pause and have discussion. Or maybe you're alone, which is fine. Grab a journal or something to take notes on. And when we pause, Take a moment and reflect on the scripture, reflect on the question, and just write down some answers. So in the next couple minutes, I want you to pause this video and reflect on some of the following thoughts. Um, Just invite the Lord's presence into your home. He's already with you. You're You're the people of God. You're a child of God. God is already with you. But go ahead and recognize his presence in your life and in your home and thank him for his presence. Give thanks to the Lord for your home. Give thanks to the Lord for your family, friends, and community. Give thanks to the Lord for his love, his salvation, and his presence. Would you do that for the next couple minutes? This morning, we're beginning a brand new series. We just wrapped up our journey through 1 John. This morning, we're beginning a new series in the book of Proverbs. As we move into the closing months of 2020, a year that has been tumultuous, difficult, and scary in so many ways, I've been personally increasingly encouraged by many of the simple statements of wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. This fall, we'll be taking eight weeks leading up to Advent to reflect on different Proverbs, some of the famous Proverbs, many of which I'm sure you already know. And we're going to be collectively seeking to be a people of wisdom. 
Wisdom is more than just factual information. We have a Google Home in our house, and I think our kids think that Google is the fountainhead of wisdom. But we know that that wisdom is not just factual information, right? Wisdom is born not just of knowing stuff, but knowing how to walk it out. It's born from trials and discipline. It is found by those who seek it like a treasure, who go on a treasure hunt and seek after wisdom. Kids, do you like seeking hidden, buried treasure? That's the way the scriptures describe the way that we're to seek after wisdom, like a buried treasure. Wisdom calls out to the children of God, inviting us to walk in her ways. James, the brother of Jesus, the apostle, he encourages followers of Jesus to ask for wisdom with conviction and boldness. In fact, in chapter one of his letter, the apostle James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So let's ask God for wisdom. This is one of those moments where you can pause the video and as a family or just by yourself with the Lord, pray this simple prayer. Father, we ask you for wisdom today. Your word says that you will give it generously. And then maybe think of a few areas that you are specifically seeking his wisdom. Is it a relationship or a situation in your family or maybe wisdom regarding your vocation or your job. Once again, just pause the video, ask the Lord for wisdom, discuss it as a family, and seek his wisdom in one of these areas this morning. As we transition to today's teaching, take a moment to read aloud the closing verses of Psalm 136 with me. We read the first verses at the beginning, Let's, let's read the closing verses from this psalm as we transition into this morning's teaching. So read with me. Psalm 136, verse 23. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This morning as we begin our eight-week series through the book of Proverbs that we're calling A Word to the Wise, our text comes from Proverbs 1-7, and I've titled today's teaching Wisdom's Foundation. This is the very well-known verse that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Before we get into the text and further into the sermon, let's pray together and invite the Holy Spirit to teach us what it means to fear him and to be a people of wisdom. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you once again for your presence. We thank you once again that your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you that you are with us today and that you desire to bless your people generously with your wisdom. We pray that we would learn to be a people who fear you with reverential awe. And we ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So wisdom's foundation. Proverbs are usually short statements that teach wisdom through clever comparison or thought-provoking imagery. They're meant to be memorable and easy to recall. That's why many people love Proverbs, because you can just remember them. They're snappy. They're, they're memorable. They, they stick in your brain. Proverbs are also practical. The writers of biblical Proverbs want to help their listeners put practical wisdom into their actual lives, into practice. Many cultures, the, the Hebrew culture is by no means the, the only culture um, to collect Proverbs. In fact, most scholars, including conservative biblical scholars, believe that many of the middle section Proverbs um, from chapter 10 to about uh, chapter 29 in the book of Proverbs, is many of those Proverbs are actually based on other cultures' Proverbs that were collected and taken in and, and then brought into Hebrew uh, literature. So many cultures collect proverbial statements. So here's a few that I thought were amusing from different cultures around the world. This is an Ashtani proverb. It says, no one tests the depth of a river with both feet, right? You stick one toe in. Nobody tests the depth of a river with both feet, unless you're jumping into a pool. All right, here's a Mexican proverb. In a closed mouth, flies do not enter. I could probably learn something from that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you were watching our live stream or at our live stream service um, here at Parker Ford Church, but the weather was still warm and there were tons of gnats. And as I walked up to the microphone to pray, a gnat flew into my throat and I went into a coughing fit in front of everyone. So in a clo closed mouth, flies do not enter. Here's an African proverb. Wealth is like hair in the nose. It hurts to be separated, whether from a little or from a lot. I thought that, was, that one was pretty amusing. And here's a Spanish proverb. Tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. How true that is, especially if you are a procrastinator and putting things off. Tomorrow just gets busier and busier. So these are examples of uh, proverbs from different cultures, and they resemble the proverbs in the book of Proverbs quite a bit. And we'll see that as we walk through um, our journey through this book. Now, this is one of those really fun Hebrew words. Um, the where we get the word in English, wisdom, comes from the Hebrew word chokmah. Now, you should spit when you say it, so go ahead and, uh, and say it where you are in, in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you're at today. Say the word chokmah. It's one of those awesome guttural Hebrew words. And what it means is applied knowledge. Once again, I mentioned this earlier, but wisdom doesn't just mean information. It means knowledge that you're putting into use. An example of this would be Deuteronomy chapter 4-6. This is when Moses is retelling the law that God has given the people. He says, so keep and do them. And he's talking about God's commandments. Keep and do them. For that is your wisdom. So it's the applied knowledge. It's not just God's commandments. It's that you're keeping them and doing them. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of these people who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding 
people. So wisdom means applied knowledge. It also means skillful work. In fact, in our English translations, chokmah is often translated as skill, the, word, the English word skill. An example of this is in Exodus 31, where they're building the tabernacle, and God says, recruit skillful craftsmen. That's the same word for wisdom. So craftsmen with applied knowledge and skill who are able to build these. Exodus 31.3 says, I have filled him with the, the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. So wisdom means applied knowledge. It means skillful work. And um, it's a characteristic of God. It's, it's one of his character traits. God is loving. God is just. God is holy. And he is wise. Chokmah. This is part of his very nature. It's, this word for wisdom is, is described as God's co-creator. So later in the book of Proverbs, it says that wisdom was God's co-creator. And then in the New Testament, the New Testament writers connect this with Jesus. And Jesus says that he's greater than Solomon, the one who's known as the great collector of wisdom, the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature and their wisdom culture is Solomon. And yet Jesus is greater. And we also know that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God's co-creator, as it says in Colossians chapter 1. So wisdom is described not only as a characteristic of God or character trait, it's also his co-creator. Wisdom is woven into the fabric of the universe, which is why Proverbs can be described as a book about probabilities. Now here it's important to note that I'm saying probability, not formula. Because wisdom is woven into the fabric of the universe, there are ways that humans are meant to live. God has designed us to live in a certain way. We're supposed to be generous. We are meant to be humble. We are designed by God, intended to live with grace and love towards one another. The book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom passed down through generations, describing the ways of living that lead to either life and flourishing or death and languishing. And this is where the probability part comes in. Proverbs is not a collection of formulaic guarantees. For example, the famous verse in Proverbs 22, 6 that says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's not a formulaic guarantee. Wonderful parents have raised children who have gone astray and lived awful lives. And conversely, awful parents who were not present in their children's lives have at times, for whatever reason, had a child born to them who lives a remarkable, wise life. So it's not a formula. It's a probability. Or another famous proverb, uh, chapter 12, verse 21 says, no ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Now, anyone who's lived in this broken, fallen life realizes that righteous people often suffer and often are sick. And the wicked, the wicked people often seem to flourish and do well. 
So these are about probabilities. And when you think about it from a probability standpoint, it largely holds true from a wisdom standpoint. When you discipline your children and raise them with good principles and good morals, they tend to do better than a child who is not. It's a probability. Or um, if you live a righteous life, you tend to have more friends. You tend to have a greater community than if you're an evil person who pushes people away. So think about it from the standpoint of probability, not from the standpoint of formula, especially if you're thinking about it from formulaic guarantees. You will be disappointed if you go to the wisdom literature reading it like that. All right, today's verse that we're highlighting is a verse a seven of chapter one. It says in verse one, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's comparing a foolish person with a wise person. A wise person fears the Lord and seeks wisdom. A foolish person despises fear of the Lord and despises discipline or instruction. Fear of the Lord does not equal terror or tread or, or dread. God is not telling us to be afraid of him in the sense of be terrified of him. The word of the Lord is not teaching us that. What it is teaching us, what fear of the Lord does mean, is it does mean awe and reverence. Another way of thinking about it is this. To fear God is to understand who God is and who we are in comparison. He is Lord we are not. It's so easy to put ourselves at the center of the universe and think everything revolves around me. Fear of the Lord means I am removing myself from the center of the universe and realizing that it is Jesus Christ who holds all things together and to whom all things were created and belong. It is God who sits at the center of all things. I am dust, and to dust I'll return. I am finite, I am mortal. And so to know who God is and who I am in comparison is fear of the Lord. He is Lord, we are not. To fear God is to know both his place and our place in the cosmos. To fear God is to seek to understand his ways and to obey his commands. Once again, fear of the Lord here is connected to this idea of applied knowledge, wisdom. Let me read that again. To fear God is to seek to understand his ways and to obey his commands. It's not just the right information. It's taking that information and putting it into practice. Applied knowledge, skillful obedience in pursuit of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're going to close out the service with uh, some practical questions to ask and things to talk through to maybe bring some application into your life or into your family. Before we get to that uh, final closing segment of today's service, 
what I want you to do is just pause the video for one moment and either by yourself with the Lord or as a family or with the friends that you're gathered with in your home, meditate on each word, each major word in this verse. Fear, Lord, knowledge, wisdom, instruction. Savor these words, chew on them, think about them. And, and then talk about them as a family, and then transition into the final segment where we'll be seeking to apply some of this to our lives. As we come to the close of our service today, I want to bring this to a point where we can sort of apply some of this stuff in our lives. So just for a few minutes, once again, with uh, either with your family that you're with or maybe just in a journal, maybe call up a friend and have a discussion about it, but pause and discuss some of these questions. Why is the fear of the Lord so deeply connected to wisdom? Why does the author of Proverbs join these two ideas together, the fear of the Lord and the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom? What are some healthy ways of practicing fear of the Lord. Certainly there's detrimental ways that we can practice things that, that lead to death, but there's also life-giving practices that we can build into our life, spiritual disciplines. So what are some of, some of the healthy ways or spiritual disciplines that you and I could practice fear of the Lord or your family can? What is wisdom? Think about the discussion we just had. What, what is wisdom? What is it not? And why does a foolish person despise wisdom and instruction. So take a few minutes and as a family or on your own, just write out some of these questions and, and think and ponder through them. All right, one more group activity for us. I'd like you to identify a situation in your life in which you desperately need wisdom in order to move forward. Maybe it's a relationship you're stuck in. Maybe um, you just don't know what to do or how to respond to something that's recently happened. So as a family or maybe with a trusted friend, I'd, I'd invite you to pray for this specific situation. Identify it and then pray for it with James chapter 1 in mind, that when we ask God for wisdom, he gives it to us generously. Having asked God for wisdom, brainstorm a few possible solutions. This could be a really good life-giving activity for families with young kids. Think about a situation that your family's going through. Maybe it's school at home in this crazy year. Maybe it's missing not being able to see your friends. Maybe uh, who knows what it is, but brainstorm possible solutions while seeking God's wisdom and invite the kids to speak into it. What might God be saying in this situation? So as we close our service, what I'd like you to do, once again, is if you're able, I invite you to stand and uh, let me read this benediction over you. It's, it's the famous blessing from Numbers chapter 6, the, the priestly blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray together as we close our service. Father, may we be a people who are constantly seeking and receiving wisdom that comes from you. You are the, the masterful, skilled builder and creator. You have woven 
wisdom into the very fabric of the universe. And you've woven it into your church and you've dispensed it to your people as we ask for wisdom. So may we at Parker Ford Church and anyone else engaging this, may we be a people who seek after your wisdom and receive it. We love you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day. Go with God.